0: Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician Dr. Robert Jackson, his wife Carlotta, and their daughter Hannah Miller, this program will help you understand that human beings are more than just physiology, that for people there's more than just diagnosis and treatment, and that in life there's more than just medicine for a cure this is more than medicine and the doctor is in
1: this is more than medicine and i am your host dr robert jackson today's topic is the father's role in the home and i am accompanied today by my lovely bride miss carlotta she's going to start off by sharing some statistics about the impact of fathers in the home Uh, fatherlessness is a major issue in our culture today And Ms. Carlotta, what are the things that you have to share with us to start off?
2: Well, first of all, I was looking on a great website called National Fatherhood Initiative that everyone needs to know about. But I read an article called The Father Factor. It was recently written two weeks ago and the author wrote about a letter that she had received or he had received from Focus on the Family and it had to do with the current unrest in our country and it addressed what they called one of the leading causes of anarchy and evil. And that would be, quote, the overwhelming impact of family breakdown and the absence of role models. And it goes on to say, too many of today's young men and women are lost, unsure of what to do and how to act because there is nobody at home showing them the way. The current crisis cries out for both spiritual revival and a renewal of the family and the critical role it plays in the community. I would emphasize spiritual revival because when there's a spiritual revival, we have an understanding of what our roles are and what our responsibilities are to husbands and wives, towards one another, and towards our children. But it had a, this article also had another quote in it that I thought was very interesting. It was written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. I don't know when Confucius lived, but it was by Confucius. And this is what he said. The strength of a nation derives from the integrity of the home. I suppose the main statistic that I wanted to give today is one that we've probably said before, but it bears repeating. And that is that one out of every four children is without a father in the home. What an impact that has on our country, on our nation. So, Robert, I'll let you take over and talk about what you think fathers can do to not just be a presence a body in the home but to make the home so much the home life so much
1: richer all right well this is a message that I shared with a, a group of folks uh, just a week ago talking about the father's role in the home and I want to start off with the scripture Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 nine, which is familiar to many of us, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down. And when you rise up, and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontals on your forehead, and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Now, in the beginning of that scripture, it says, The word shall be on your heart. In other words, it shall be in your heart. I submit to the listening audience that a father is the primary Bible teacher in the home. And if he's going to be the primary Bible teacher, the Word of God, these words that I command you have to be in his heart. And for that to happen, Scripture memory must be a vital part of the life of every Christian father. Not only does he have to memorize Scripture, but he has to practice meditation on Scripture. Scripture memory and Scripture meditation has to be a practice of a father who wants to be the primary Bible teacher in his home. The prophet Jeremiah said, Thy words were found, and I did eat them, and they became for me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. Fathers, if the scriptures are not the joy and rejoicing of your heart, your children will know that your teaching is canned and artificial, and that it does not come from the overflow of a heart that delights in the Word of God. Fathers set the spiritual tone, the spiritual atmosphere of the entire household. The family rises to the level of the father's spirituality or sinks to the level of his lack of diligence, his slackness. A father's response to irritation to temptation, or to crisis, which response flows out of what's in his heart determines the spiritual atmosphere of his home. If the Word of God is not firmly implanted in his heart, he cannot teach with spontaneity, nor can he correct with biblical authority." it is imperative fathers that the word of god be in your heart the second part of that scripture is it says that we should teach them diligently we teach our sons we teach our daughters with diligence now this is not the wife's responsibility although she does teach our children ultimately that responsibility falls squarely on the shoulders of the head of the household.
2: Nor is it the pastors or the youth pastors or the Sunday school teachers' main responsibility. It is the father's.
1: That's exactly right. I, as the father, am responsible to teach my children Bible stories, Bible characters, and principles of life, biblical principles of life. And I must do so diligently, which equals being assertive about it, being intentional about it. And the opposite of diligence is being casual or nonchalant about Bible teaching. And I have to be conscientious in my spiritual life not to be casual and not to be nonchalant about teaching my children and my grandchildren now about the Bible, about Bible truths. Because Every man listening to me knows that we all have a tendency to be passive, to be casual, to be nonchalant. And if we're not careful and intentionally teach the Scriptures to our children and assertively teach the Bible to our children, then we will fall backwards into that casual, nonchalant stance.
2: I'm going to take just a moment here and ask you, What do you mean by intentional, and how did that look
1: for us? Intentional means that I think about it, and I think about it in advance, and I plan my Bible teaching time with my children. It doesn't just happen by happenstance, but every morning when I teach the Bible to my children, when we had our family devotions, I had thought about it in advance, I had prayed over it and what i was sharing with the family came right out of the oven it came right out of my morning quiet time and so that what i shared with the family was not canned it was not artificial but it was it was warm like bread right out of the oven and i it was an intentional teaching time and i thought every day what am i going to teach my children at family devotions this morning or tonight
2: it got harder To have an evening devotion, I suppose when our children were younger, we had, in fact, I don't suppose, I know, we had a little uh, devotional time with our babies, and then they grew up into children, but as they grew up, it got harder to do the evening time because they went to bed at different times, and so we, and I heard a friend say this one time, she said that they had anchored their Bible time with a meal, So for a while, the evening meal was a good time for us. But then when other activities interfered sometimes with that evening meal, then we connected it to breakfast time. And so before Robert went to work, we would have a time with Robert that included his uh, message for the family, that included reviewing Bible truths, verses, praying together, um, yeah.
1: And that took a lot of intentionality on dad's part. I had to plan in advance. The next thing that that verse in Deuteronomy 6 is that it advocates a way of life teaching as the best form of teaching. The verse says that we should teach our children diligently along the way, which means at play, at work, after we watch a movie, after some kind of accident or crisis, after you take your son's fishing or hunting or mom's, after you take your daughter's shopping or when you're crafting, you teach them and show them the biblically appropriate response to every activity in life. You teach them along the way.
2: Or even now to the issues that we are faced. That's what we often discuss at dinner table when our children are present. We address the issues from Our biblical
1: worldview. That's right. Even last night we were discussing with one of our sons some of the civil unrest that's going on in our culture today, and we were discussing it from a biblical perspective. And then lastly, Deuteronomy 6 tells us to write them on the doorpost. Now, when we were coming along, my son Rob was our son who was most likely to spend time in time out. I'm not picking on him. He knows this story and he likes this story. Um, he was one who's always flipping a pencil or flipping a, a a fork at the dinner table and looking out the window and never paying attention or tormenting one of his brothers and sisters. So he often had to go to dad's bedroom and sit on the bed and wait till I came in there and had some words with him. Well, what I did not know or realize at the time was that when he sat on my bed waiting for Dad to come and remonstrate with him, that there was a cross stitch on the wall of Psalms 118, verse 24, which says, This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let Let us us rejoice and and be glad glad in it. it. Well, as a consequence of having to sit on the side of Dad's bed repeatedly over the years, my son Rob memorized that verse of Scripture. So some years later, when he was much older and much better behaved, we were sitting at the dinner table, and this particular scripture comes up, and Rob immediately quoted the scripture and the reference. Now, he did not have a reputation for being one to memorize verses of scripture and their reference, so the whole family stops in mid-sentence and stares at him and says, where in the world did you learn that? And he said, Well, that's simple. It's on the wall in mom's bedroom. So I had to pause and think for a few seconds and say, What's on mom's bedroom? And then the light came on and I remembered the cross stitch. And you see, that scripture written on the wall in our home imprinted itself on the heart of my son. And it was still there years later. Now, we also have an ironing board in our home that has a cabinet over it, and we had a habit of writing quotes from famous Christians, scripture verses, the names of Jesus and the names of God, Points. and we would always write them and hang them on that cabinet, and our children would sit at the kitchen counter and stare at those things, and it would go into their minds and into their hearts. Even their friends would come over, and they would immediately go to that cabinet door and and look and see. What if the Jacksons hung on the cabinet door that's new? And I've had friends of theirs come to me years later and quote to me some of the things that we hung on that cabinet door that was still in their heart, the friends of the family.
2: It's kind of clean right now, but I have it all in a file.
1: (laughs) The things that we put on the doorpost of our home. Well, the second thing I would say is this. The father is also the primary disciplinarian, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. The King James Bible, I think, says do not exasperate your children. And then it says that we should raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We should raise them in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, what this means, fathers, is that you are the sheriff, the judge, and the chief executioner. No home can function without order. One of the primary complaints that I hear from students and school teachers today is that there is a lack of order in the school system and that students cannot learn and teachers cannot teach. And it's because of the lack of order. The same thing is true in your home. If there is chaos in your home, if there's a lack of order in your home, your wife will pull her hair out and your children will not be well behaved nor will they be able to learn the most powerful words that a home that a, that a that a mother in the home can say is you just wait until your father gets home those words must not be empty words they must carry weight and they must strike fear into the heart of every young rebel now I remember one time that I was at a church meeting and my son Rob, who was about four or five, was running lickety-split through the gymnasium. There was probably 150 people there, and we had a family rule that there'd be no running in church. Well, In that
2: particular occasion, for whatever reason, he shouldn't have been running. That's right. It was a gym.
1: It was a gym, but it was a, a function where he should not have been running. And I snapped my fingers rather loudly, and he immediately stopped, turned, and looked at me. I pointed my finger and he immediately slumped his shoulders and went over to the side and sat in a chair. Well, there was an older woman with me and she looked at me and she said, those children are afraid of you. And I said, yes, ma'am, they better be that they may live long upon the earth. About that time, I noticed my four older daughters coming down the stairs and I caught their attention and they ran over to their father and all of them gave me a hug and a kiss and then they went on their way. And I looked at the same lady and I said, yes, ma'am, but they also love their daddy. And the point of that is this, is that fathers, it is a delicate balance between love and discipline in your home. And you have to pray constantly that God will help you walk that delicate balance. Only God balances love and discipline perfectly in our lives but you have the grace of God and the power of the Holy Spirit available to you to learn how to balance love and discipline.
2: Well, discipline is loving.
1: It is. It's important. The Bible says that God chastens those whom He loves. That's right. All right. The third point I would like to make is this, is that fathers are the relief pitcher the relief pitcher comes in during the eighth or ninth inning of a baseball game to provide rest for the star pitcher and finish the game. Usually the starting pitcher is tired and losing his edge, starting to throw too many balls and too few strikes, allowing men on base and becoming frazzled. By five o'clock in the afternoon, even star moms spirit-filled Christian moms get tired, frazzled, lose their edge, and may even throw a beanball or two. They need a relief pitcher. So dads, it doesn't matter how tired you are, how difficult your day, how demanding your boss, how frustrating your fellow employees, you have to put on your game face. Put on your spirit-filled heart, driving home from work. Now, here is the question. Does the crowd cheer or boo when you take the mound? When you open the front door, does the crowd cry out, Daddy's home, Daddy's home? Or do the kids run and scatter like little mice when a tomcat comes in? Or even worse, do they ignore you? Are you a pleasant, warm breeze that brings a smile of relief to your wife's face? Or are you a tornado of emotional destruction? Fathers, are you a life-giving force? Or are you a black hole that sucks everything in? You see, gentlemen, this is a choice that you and I have to make every day. You have the grace of God and you have the Holy Spirit that lives in you that gives us the spiritual capability to be a life-giving force in our homes. Coming home to the wife and the children is not your secondary job. It is your primary responsibility. It is your first calling in life. If your job or your standard of living is sucking all the life out of you, So that you have nothing left to give in the evening, then dad, you have to consider changing something, even if that means changing jobs, changing careers, or downsizing. You only have a short few years to invest into your children's spiritual formation, and you must make the best of it. Do not be the washed-up relief pitcher with the bum arm, who ought to be sent down to the minor leagues. Choose to be the star relief pitcher that eagerly runs out to the mound amidst resounding cheers from the crowd, knowing he is about to save the game. You husbands know that you crave respect. You be that guy And you'll get all the accolades and respect that you crave and will certainly deserve. That's right. The last point I would like to make is that fathers are the primary prayer warriors in the family. Gentlemen, it is our responsibility to pray a hedge of protection around our wives and our children. In the book of Job, in chapter 1, in verse 6 and verse 10, Satan complained to God that Job worshipped him only because God had built a hedge of protection around Job. And he accused God, saying that if you take away that hedge of protection, Job will no longer worship you or serve you. Now, gentlemen... We all know the story, and we know that God removed that hedge of protection from Job's life. Satan assailed him and his family, and Job maintained his integrity. But the point I'm trying to make here is that it is possible for you and me to pray a hedge of protection around our wives and our children, a hedge that protects them from the world and from the flesh, and from Satan, the three primary enemies that confront our families. It is our responsibility to set the example of consistent and fervent prayer. You all know that the apple will not fall fall far from the tree. In fact, Jesus' disciples came to Him and said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And the reason for that was they observed his prayer life. Your children should be learning fervent and faithful and consistent prayer from you. Because you set the example of consistent and fervent prayer. More than that, it is our responsibility to teach our children how to worship. You see, your children will often love the very things that you love in all likelihood, if you love to worship and your children know it and they see that passion in your life for worshiping God, in all likelihood, they will love to worship God as well. Now, that's no guarantee that your children will love what you love. I mean, I've tried to raise my children to love the Clemson Tigers, but only one of them is a faithful Clemson follower. It's my son, John Richard. All the rest of them are kind of nonchalant about Clemson football, and it just breaks my heart. But John Richard, he follows ESPN. He follows all the sports. And every day when I come home, he tells me everything about football and about Clemson football. He is such a fine, upstanding young man. I don't know what went wrong with all the rest of them. But the point is, is that the things that you love, your children will often love and it's our responsibility to teach them to love prayer and to love how to worship the Lord. I would challenge you to pray for your children's salvation. I'm the man of the house, I'm the father in the household. And nobody should outpray me in praying for my children and my grandchildren's salvation. I pray that God would remove from their hearts the blinding. That Satan has placed upon their spiritual eyes, that God would remove from them the binding that Satan, the God of this world, has placed upon their lives, and that God would impart his spiritual life to them in a born-again experience, transferring them from the domain of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved Son. I also pray that my children and my grandchildren will understand completely the Spirit-filled life. And you must illustrate the Spirit-filled life with your own life. They must see you as being a Spirit-filled, Spirit-controlled Christian man. When my children were small, I tried to teach them the principles of the Spirit-filled life, And I would often look at them when I saw them struggling with an issue and I would take a imaginary dagger and I would take it and I would plunge it into my chest like I was sticking a knife in my heart and I would point my finger at them. And over time, my children began to understand that being a spirit-filled person required death to self and being alive under the Lord Jesus Christ. And they began to grasp what it understood, what it meant to be a a spirit-controlled person. The next thing I would challenge you to do is pray that they would be mighty in spirit. If you remember in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 16, Paul was praying for the Ephesians church, and he prayed that they would be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man. That's what I call being mighty in spirit. I pray for my children to be mighty in spirit, that they would discern right from wrong and always choose the good and right way. That's being mighty in spirit. And then I pray that they would grasp a biblical worldview and own it for themselves. It's one thing for them to understand it, but an entirely different thing for them to own it for themselves. I pray every day that my children would not just have a biblical worldview, but they would own it for themselves. And then I pray that God would put in their hearts a love for his word, a love for his church, and a love for evangelism and world missions. You fathers are the family shepherd. You're the pastor and the priest of your little congregation, which is your family. You represent God to the family and you represent the family to God it is your responsibility to minister to them to their hearts and their fears and their wounds you're their counselor and their guide you protect them from the evil influence in the world and you expose them to the good things of God's word I pray for you men out there that God would bless you as you become the father in your household that God has called you be
0: Thank you for listening to today's edition of More Than Medicine. You can follow Jackson Family Ministry on Facebook, Instagram, and on their website. Be sure to contact them via Ministry at gmail.com for speaking engagements and for book information. Join us next time for More Than Medicine.